Welcome to the podcast. On this week's episode, Marty's going to discuss how he is still extremely busy planning a virtual graduation, how he recently tried a CBD mixture that seems to be helping him sleep. We're also going to talk about mask wearing guidelines, cultural norms around wearing masks, and how recently an elected official was banned from an airline for refusing to wear a mask. We're also going to get around to Apple's spring-loaded event and how AirTags really stole the show. We're also going to discuss the EU's proposed regulations on artificial intelligence. We're also going to talk about cognitive science and apps and gamification and are these apps manipulating us we're also going to discuss some nostalgic love for the carmen san diego franchise all this and more coming up on the sunday brunch podcast enjoy Welcome to the Sunday Brunch, a weekly news show where we talk tech, science, and some nerdy stuff, of course. And I'm joined by my friend and co-host that is out of the beautiful California area. We do not nearly have the same lovely weather as California, but Colorado is coming very close because I even fired up my air conditioner. My friend and my co-host, Marty, how has your week been? Hey, Matt. Um, week has been good. I, I can't help but enjoy the fact that I got a full night's sleep despite being extraordinarily anxious <laughs> and worrying about all the things that I haven't gotten done. And I think being past the point of, of Zoom fatigue, burnout, unhappy with everybody and ready to like claw someone's eyes out. Um, I had a friend send me this tincture at, that had um, CBD and valerian in it. And I had not had that before. I think when I lived in Colorado and everybody was... Uh, CBD it, happy. And what'd you say? A tincture? What? What? What, yes, what is that? It's like a, a mixture of. It's, but it sounds like it's coming from an alchemist. <laughs> you know, like you're playing in a video game. Uh, it's just. It's just a mixture that you use with like an eyedropper to take it. And uh, you know, I, I, people have different relationships with these kinds of things. And I don't take things to help me sleep. I, I usually recommend if people have issues to take melatonin. But I was like, you know, just tonight to help. And within 20 minutes, I was down. And I'm not foggy. I'm not, um, well, maybe I'm foggy. I haven't looked at the results of my work from today if I have to apologize for any emails. But I'm still feeling refreshed at the end of the day. So actually, I'm so far having a decent week and, you know, like, I, I can't complain. So happy about that. How about you? What's been going on with you? Well, I, I, I do want to talk. I do have a funny story about sleep aids. So, so a good friend of mine, um, was he was having some trouble sleeping and he bought some his his wife bought him some stuff at Whole Foods and I can't remember what it's called it's called sleepy time or or, or something like that and I think it has melatonin and something else inside of it but he took he he drank some of it it's like a in a powder form you just add it to water or juice or whatever and he slept really well and so for about a week he was he was taking like one scoop and then he's like oh I want to sleep a little bit better I want to take two scoops of it. And so he kept sort of like stepping up the the scoops and he had a meeting, um, like I think it was about three or four hours away. And he, he was having to stop like every three or four hours to go to the restroom. And he goes, I was having terrible stomach issues. And he goes, I was barely able to go longer than a half hour without having to go to the bathroom. And so he he finally gets to the hotel. He says, I have sweat pouring down my face. He goes, I barely made it from the lobby to my room. And he goes, he goes, I'm dying. I think I need to go to like an urgent care facility or something like that. And and, uh, he he calls his wife and he goes, I'm dying here. I'm dying here. And he goes, his wife goes, well, that's funny. You really haven't had, have you eaten anything? He goes, no, I just grabbed something from home before I before I jumped in the car and he goes wait a second that that powder stuff and he looks at the back of it and it recommends just it's one scoop and he had said and it said on there if you take more than one scoop it can it can actually like flush your system and he was up to like four or five scoops oh, he, goes, he goes I wanted to die <laughs> it's so, so not good I don't even know what that was but that's so not good I, I'm gonna have to look at I think he called it like sleepy or something like that but no my 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 week has been uh it, it's been pretty good I uh my husband and I decided to since now we're you know we're, we're at the tail end uh my husband has one more week left after after his second vaccine, um, we decided to start looking at gym memberships again, and so we we went we we, we went and we 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 toured a gym. Which it's weird now to be in like doing these yeah. activities that were normal, and this gym is 
you know, very clean, like you don't work out without taking a bottle of cleaner and they're distancing people on the machines and they added new filtration systems and they did all this kind of stuff. And so um, he has a week left. So he stayed at home. And after we got our membership, he went to go work out this morning. And um, it's weird working out with a mask. But then mm-hmm. it, it's like everyone's like keeping their distance and we're cleaning machines after we get done using them. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I could go. I, I think when we get to a point where we don't have to have masks, because when you're doing cardio with a mask, it's it's pretty Terrible. hard. It's a hot yep. mess. Um, yep. But but I think the I think the thing of cleaning the machines after every use, which at every gym is a struggle. I hope that sticks around because everyone yeah. was like wiping down the machines and cleaning the handles and everything to it. And so it so it was a big step towards normal this week with, with actually you know getting our gym membership back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good good for you. And everybody's all masked, right, in the gym. Yes. Yes, yes, everyone's okay. masked. And they are really strict about it. And they and they put that up front that they were like, if, you know, mask is not optional. If you're seen without a mask, you'll get warned. And if we warn you more than once, um, we're going to ask you to leave. Do they have the proper way to wear a mask? So not like a chin diaper or um, a a a nose pro- proper upper <laughs> they, they they actually have signs that say by wearing a mask means cover your nose and your mouth i find it so interesting that it's so difficult i i was at a medical facility a couple of weeks ago and they they honestly had the mask underneath the nose the people working at the medical facility come on that, that should be a basic a basic understanding and I, I know they're uncomfortable but go outside take a breather every hour there's nothing wrong with that I don't yeah. know. Little yeah. patience, but I'm I'm glad to hear that you're you're heading back out there. I was on a walk the other day. Um, I I do a neighborhood hike with one of my buddies out here, and he's definitely on the. Uh, well, he he's he's very anxious and very neurotic about even more than me, which makes me feel good about myself. Um, when there's a group outside that's not wearing a mask, he gets very very uncomfortable. And you know, you I said you know. We, we've known for a while that it's not as dangerous. You know, anything's possible and, and you can spread. Uh, so it's, it's it's possible, but not as. But then the CDC came out with something recently talking about mask use. And so it sounds like the CDC is going to be telling us that outside, you might not need the mask as as we used to think. We used to be like, okay, don't wear a mask until you see someone put it on. And I still, I still go by this rule because you don't know if you're the unlucky sap who is downwind of somebody who happens to have one particle, you know, and hasn't been vaccinated and happens to go inside your nose or mouth or eye or wherever. So I'm on the side of being careful, but the risk of transmission seems to be very, very low. And so the CDC is coming out and it looks like um, the mask wearing guidelines are going to change yet again. Are you clear on all the mask stuff or is it hard for you to keep up with it? I, you know, I, I hear that, you know, so I, I think it's very hard. And I, and I think on this show, I think we're just going to have to call this, we're just going to have this uh, as a segment of our show is the COVID minute. Yeah. Um, it, what are we going to do when we don't talk about this? Yeah, <laughs> That's what I, I want to know. It's, I'm so like set on these, these COVID things that I can't wait to not talk about this for everybody listening. I do it because I'm neurotic, but there will be a day when I'll be very happy to not be talking about this. Well, and I think it's been really helpful uh, hearing from you because, you know, when we're talking about variants, that's really scary. When we're talking about masks, it's like you need to wear double masks. And then, you know, here, you know, we're being told hospitalizations are up, but the vaccine numbers are up. And so things are looking good. We're, 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 We're actually getting some information to say. Um, are, are, are like the, the actual meter is now going away and, and counties can start making some more decisions on their own. Um, so it, it it's like on one hand, it seems like things are getting better, but then we also see things where it's like, we'll still be very cautious, but then restaurants are opening up. And then um, when, you know, news this week about we could be seeing the mass thing sort of lighten up. So um, I, I'm always interested in your take because there's so much information coming out about vaccines and how to, you know, how to keep yourself safe and all of those type of things. I mean, I'm, I, I kind of want to view the common sense rule. Everything's a probability. So you could play the probability game as if it's not going to happen, or you could play the probability game as well. It might happen. Therefore, I'm still going to do this. And you limit the probability. And, and that's why wearing the mask is important. And outside, like, imagine you are at a large street protest and you're technically outside, but you're surrounded by lots and lots of other people. Do you wear a mask in that place? Well, you're outside. 
but you're also within spit shot and in the same you know aerosolized clouds even though they move through quickly because now there's wind to move it back and forth and uh there's more space for it to go you still you know you if but there's a lot of people there you're you're exposing yourself to something so i wouldn't do that without a mask and i did, i would only go there if people were wearing masks yeah uh but you know if now this becomes the the guidance from the cdc i would stay allowed i would stay far away from large crowds where that's not required. If you're at the beach and you can find a little space that is away from everybody and okay, probably okay without a mask. I wouldn't worry so much about that, but it, this is where it's an imperfect science or kind of a, a bit of a personal judgment, knowing how to mitigate risk. I, I also think that, you know, we're, we're having discussions of whether or not vaccinated people should be wearing masks. And there are like, there are some weird ways to frame this in our minds that once we're vaccinated, wahoo, Nothing's going to happen, but we've we've talked about that. There's, there are breakthrough cases. It's 95% effective, so you can still get COVID, and it can still be fatal. Like those are truths, um, and it doesn't mean something's wrong with you if you got it that way. The disease affects people very differently, and we're not entirely sure why yet. Other than there's something about like your immune profile with an initial response, and you're much more likely to have those difficulties and have a more severe case if you are elderly. If you have pre-existing conditions that are usually around circulatory problems, um, kidney problems, liver problems, lung problems, those kinds of things, heart problems. Um, so I, I'm like, well, I, I want to be careful still. I want to be careful. So I will still be wearing a mask, not because as much I need to protect myself, although you have to do that at times too. It's so that it becomes a cultural norm of everybody wearing the mask because you got to look at how many people aren't vaccinated still. And I want them wearing a mask more than me. I want them wearing a mask. So I want to create a culture around that. I want to be part of that. Yeah, it's and it's interesting um, when you talk about the cultural uh, aspect of wearing masks. So um, a lot of conversations are, have it, are, are being had, you know, I know in my workplace and many workplaces about um, what does returning to work look like? And I think a, a lot of organizations are saying hybrid. Some of them are saying, you know, we do want people to come back. And, and it was interesting because my husband was was reading through some information from his employer. And one of the things was like, you know, June 1, come back and we'll go maskless. And so him and I were kind of talking about it. And I was like, was it a mandate that you come back and you're maskless? Because um, it's going to be interesting to see if employers feel strongly that you don't wear masks. Um, and, and, and I kind of hope that it's it's up to the employee if they want to wear a mask or not, because like you said, there, there's going to be a portion of the population that's going to say, hey, you know, of, of the workforce population to say, I, I, I choose not to get a vaccine, which is which is that right. Um, but if I want to wear a mask for whatever reason, um, is my employer going to say you can't, you know, so I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of where this mask thing falls out post COVID. Um, I sure hope that it just becomes a part of our community where if you're wearing a mask, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're sick. Um, it, it, it can mean that you're just, you know, you're just protecting yourself during flu season or during cold season or those type of things, um, which we have seen in, you know, in other countries. Well, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're protecting yourself. It means you're protecting other people from you, which is one of the very strange ways that we look at this differently than in countries where it's common to wear a mask. So Japan, for instance, um, even if you're not sure if you're sick or not, because everyone's so tightly packed, you're you know on the train together, you wear a mask. A lot of people wear a mask, and it doesn't mean that they're sick. It just means they're not going to get their breath on you. And... That would be a really nice norm for us to adopt. Uh, maybe a lot to ask. I'm, I'm, I guess, uh, still neurotic, so take that, take that how you will. But, but I'm going to continue wearing a mask, even at, uh, even, even if there are a lot of people there, certainly outside. Uh, but otherwise, I don't mind letting go of the mask and having a walk out, or if I'm taking a run, which I never do because I hate running. But if I'm taking a run outside. Uh, I would, I would uh, probably ditch the mask. Yeah, for sure. And I think there was, speaking of, um, I think there was even, I can't remember the person's name. It was an elected official this week that was actually banned from. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Taking, yeah. taking an airline, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, she refused to wear a mask on the plane. Yeah. Um, so, 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 I mean, and uh she, I, I cannot remember her name. I want to say it's Alaska, isn't it? 
was it, um, was was I know what she looks Airlines? like. I, me- I yes, she was banned from Alaska Airlines. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember her name. Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't remember her name either. But yeah, she, she she was banned from Alaska Airlines or something like that because of absolutely refusing to wear a mask. And I was like, I, I was completely blown away that. Um, particularly now that an elected official would just choose not to do that on an airplane. Cause I'm like, if there's anywhere you should be wearing a mask with all that recycled air, I think it would be an airplane. You know, there is a political backlash of the election that you're seeing some examples of like, I dare you. Um, or, or like, I want to, I want to pick a, pick an altercation. I want to do something. Uh, you, you, and you're seeing it politically. So, like, you can see it in the Georgia voter laws. You can see it in um, California. They just had, like, one and a half million votes to go ahead and um, put a recall election on the ballot against Newsom. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, the majority of that was was coming from the, the GOP. So we're, we're starting to see, like, the the counter punches coming back in, in both small ways, like these protests in larger ways, whether it's, whether it's legislation like this voting law, or we're actually going to look at gubernatorial races and see if they can shift in California. was famous for doing this back in 2003, where the governator came from the governator and the governator. Uh, mine, mine doesn't quite sound Austrian. I have to work on that. <laughs> uh, but, but we're, we're waiting to see what's going to end up happening now. Uh, and, you know, we will decide whether or not uh, there will be someone replacing him later this year. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, in, in this this mass conversation has become so polarizing politically. And I'm like, why does this have to be a political issue? But it seems to come back. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's very interesting. So um, I so so Marty, I, I have to admit um, we were negligent as a tech and science podcast to not mention the Apple event. Um, so, so I'm going to take a quick moment. Uh, this is definitely not an Apple show, but, um, Apple had a big event, um, called spring loaded where they made several large announcements. Um, you know, and, 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 and no matter if you're PC or whether you're Mac, um, you know, these, these events, uh, of course are very interesting and they often can lead to, um, some big market changes. So, uh, there was a couple of big announcements that came out, um, the new iMac, which now comes in a variety of colors, which, mm. uh, people who really enjoyed those old bubble iMacs that came in green and, and orange. I and, those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, they, they had the weird round mouse. I don't think it was, uh. a. I, I, it was a very weird looking machine, but but uh, but people really like the colors. And so um, Apple went back and, and started producing um, some some different color iMacs. Um, also, there was a there was another iPad announcement. So um, the big one there is uh, Apple is now producing their own chips. And this was a this was a big announcement that 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 came out previously that Apple is saying, you know, to Intel, I, you know, we're no longer going to depend on you for, for, for making our, 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 uh, um, our processors and we're going to do that ourselves. And so they've been, so they've developed a processor called the M1 and the M1 is, has started to roll out into their different product lines. And so um, with really good specs and really good performance um, and pretty energy efficient. So they actually put the M1 chip in the iPads. There's a series of iPads that now will, will be run M1, which is extremely powerful for a tablet. And so um, for, for those of us that are ultra nerdy when, when we saw this, um, this was Apple leaning into making the iPad um, as powerful as a laptop computer. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to see some things there. Um, creators uh, feel like this is really appealing because then they can do more higher end things like you might edit some video, you might edit some audio. Some of these things the iPad had, but um, for sort of those high end pro creative types, um, that was a big announcement. Um, there was an iPhone announcement, but I think we've reached peak phone. Does anyone care about the phone announcements anymore? There's usually some changes, uh, but there's a new purple iPhone, which, um, yeah, yeah, purple, purple <laughs> had come out, um, which, which I believe um, the that was sort of a nod to when Apple was developing the iPhone. I think they called it Project Purple, so it was a little bit of a nod um, there. At least I think it was, an, uh, you know, a nod. But one of the big announcements that came out was AirTags, and so uh, for our listeners that don't know what the AirTag is, it it, it sort of looks like a quarter. Um, and 
and uh, it's in, it has a little Apple logo on it. And these little tags are used for tracking various things. And you can you can put them in like a almost like a keychain holder and attach it to your keys. Or they have um, devices. They they have like little holders that maybe you put it in your car, you put it in your luggage, and you can find these devices. And so um, if you've seen things like Tile. Um, or the tracker or those type of things. You can attach it to to, to different things. Matter of fact, I bought my husband um, a tile for uh, Christmas and uh, they actually made like a credit card uh, version of tile that you can put in your wallet because my, my husband has lost his wallet a couple times. And so with your phone, you can try to figure out where it is in your house and you, and you, can, and you can push a button, it can make a tone so you can be able to track it down. And, and one of the big selling items of, of Tile is that, you know, other Tile users, if, if you leave your, you know, your wallet at like a bus station or something like that, um, if another Tile user was walking by, um, it would let you know that, hey, that, that, that other Tile user, with, without them doing anything, um, it, would, it would let me know at home that this is the location where you left it. And so it, so, so it sort of needs a community of people and these devices kind of check in. So Apple AirTags are very similar, but the, but the most significant part of this is there's a lot of iPhone users that are out there. And so buying these little Apple tags um, and putting them out there, like if, if I leave my keys at the gym, um, any iPhone user that's that's walking by, the little Apple tag will talk to that phone and you don't even necessarily know about it. It'll talk to the phone and it'll it'll give me that, that location. Um, and some big differences here between Tile and in uh, these Apple AirTags is um, they built they actually baked in some technology where it can't be used for stocking because it will actually if, if you uh-huh. if, if you have like a bad boyfriend or, or uh-huh. girlfriend or something like that that slips it in your bag without your knowledge um, it will actually notify you that that an AirTag is is with you um, it will actually make a tone um, if it's in your car um, without your knowledge obviously if, if it's one of your AirTags it's not going to do that but if some something gets slipped in your bag, you're, you're going to be aware. So they kind of built in some anti-stocking technology. And so um, I really feel like AirTags stole the show um, at Spring Loaded and, um, and the price is right um, for, for these. I think like a pack of four is like a hundred bucks or something like that. Um, and Apple put in replaceable batteries. So you can actually replace the batteries on your own, which I think was was really good. You can get them engraved and those type of things. So um, that was a really huge announcement. Um, of course, Tile did not like this announcement at all because Tile has mm-hmm. sort of dominated this this space. Um, there was some anti-competitive um, things kind of coming out if you look Tile versus Apple. Um, Tile did not really like this announcement. We're going to have to wait and see um, if Tile decides to go after Apple on this thing. But um, for those of us that have used this technology, uh, it was very exciting to see, and they're going to start shipping out. So, so, so you're going to probably see them on people's key rings soon. Okay, I have some thoughts. Sure. First of all, this is probably going to be the premise of a really corny rom-com when someone meets somebody through an air tag because they realize they lost their keys and then it becomes love at first sight when they actually meet up with them. But it's going to be cuter because it'll be made for a digital age. Second, though, the more dark and, and uh, dystopian side of this is have you ever seen Logan's Run? No, I haven't. Do you know the premise of Logan's Run? I just I just want to take you back to my nightmares as a five year old. Isn't that one where 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 if you reach a certain age they just kill you? Yes. Okay. Okay. I, First I, of I, all, that's already part of the trauma. Okay. So and you know what the age is is like thirty five or thirty or something ridiculous. So already I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Same um, here. Which which is uncomfortable because they apparently don't have appreciation for the salt and pepper that happens after thirty five. <laughs> Secondly, with the amazing seventies ish uh, special effects. The way it works is when you turn said age, I don't even remember if it was 35. In my head, it was 35 because that means you lived a long life when I was five years old. That's what it meant. Clearly right now, I'm like, but there's so much I have still to do. Um, they would have this big red plastic thing on your hand as if you could go around comfortably with a big red plastic thing on your hand. Um, that once you hit this age, it started flashing for everybody to know. It's like you have that buzzer at the Cheesecake Factory that tells you your table's ready implanted in you, or an air tag um, that people can see the signal. And once that happens, um, you're supposed to be on an event called the carousel, which everybody celebrates. I think it's a carousel. And you, I don't know if the idea is it just spins around and you die, and then it keeps the population young. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it. 
But I remember thinking, I'm going to get to a certain age. I'm going to get this gross red plastic thing blinking on my hand, and then I'm going to run away. And what you have described to me is the premise for Logan's Run, um, probably not used for people who are 35 and older, given that most of us are trying to seek longer life and, and, and don't believe that. But, but eventually it might be repurposed. So my science fiction imagination is now getting in the way of my happiness with life. <laughs> I, I can't enjoy technology because of that damn movie. <laughs> well, no, I think it, it, it is kind of funny when whenever this technology comes out, you, you know, we always think about sort of this dystopian future of, of how it can be abused. And, um, I, you know, no, I, I often think of science fiction as a commentary toward, towards what we see. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I was talking with some colleagues of mine that um, how when we think of like Star Trek, how much technology we see now where it's like the pads in Star Trek are like iPads, the idea that our phones are connected to this, to this way, yes. the way we talk to them and those type of things. So no, I, 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 I'm totally with you on that. But do you think they had air tags on Star Trek? Uh, I, I, they always, they always managed to find stuff, but then there was always times where for whatever reason, technology failed them. Um, and, and I always kind of laughed at like the transporter because sometimes they could lock exactly. on to somebody's signal. Sometimes they exactly. couldn't. Exactly. Air tags were the premise for the transporter. Yeah. This is exactly what they are. This has gone above and beyond nerdy this time that, <laughs> that we're taking it there. <laughs> but it's just, it just makes me uncomfortable enough because, you know, the new technologies are so great, but at the same time, they border on this surveillance capacity. Mm -hmm. And if something is able to track you or lots of people can know where something is, I'm just imagining the repurposing of it. So, right, technology with an intention is great, but you have to have an imagination, which they sounds like they did a little bit, um, an imagination to say like, well, what if somebody tried using this for stalking purposes? Great. But one's imagination to use a tool for different purposes is going to exceed the designer's imagination for what it was originally intended for. Yes. And, yes. and so therefore you have to be really careful with this kind of, of advance because um, this could be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think Tile and um, there was also another company out there called Tracker that developed very similar technology and they didn't think about the stocking aspect of, of, of this where, where Apple really did. And, um, you know, if, if you're not in the Apple ecosystem, you can't use um, AirTags. Um, it, at least it doesn't seem like um, that, that it's going to run the Android operating system. So, so it's so, <laughs> They can only stock posh people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. But I think I, I, I do appreciate that Apple thought about that and built in those safety measures. And I hope that Tile does start to think about the, those type of things because I think I think that that's fair whenever whenever technology is, is put in place. And, and you and I have talked on the show before about social media is, oh, wouldn't this be really great? And then we see it being abused. And it's like, you didn't think about how this technology could be abused or, or, or how it could be used for bullying or how it could be used for misinformation. It's like, we just developed and stuck it out there. It's like, it's like you know, I, I think that technologists should be thinking about you know, hey, this is really great that you can find your keys or, or your luggage or if you could find your car. And th those are all really good use cases and things that we deal with on a daily basis. I've lost my keys before. I would love to be able to push a button, have it beep and tell me where the keys are. Um, but, but, but I think you're right. It's like, it's like our, you know, Tile and these other folks that have it out there. It's like, have you thought about how this could also be abused really badly? Yeah, I think the road to dystopia is paved with convenience. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly. What I, that's what I think. And so um, with that, um, I am going to promise our listeners that when we get back, you will hear more on dystopias because we are not done talking about technologies and their capacities. Um, but before that, we're going to take you to a word from our sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Wet Panda Dry Bags. You know, it's pretty basic to think about dry bags, but it's so important. You know, when we're headed out to paddleboard or we're headed out to hike, um, I reach for my dry bag all the time because, you know, I have a digital camera, I have different equipment with me, and I am not always confident that my backpack is completely waterproof. So I just tuck it into my dry bag and I know that it's going to stay safe. And I even pack a wet panda bag in my gym bag because, you know, if I'm swimming, I can toss my swimming suit into the dry bag and close it up. And I know that the rest of my bag isn't going to get wet and nasty. So check out Wet Panda. They are exclusively sold on eBay. Just search Wet 
wet panda dry bags and look for that panda paw. Thank you so much, wet panda, for your sponsorship of the Sunday brunch. And we are back to uh, continue on our discussion about the world we're living in and the possible dystopias that we're creating through technologies of convenience. Um, so I, I went on a rant on that one again. You, you kind of try tempering that a little bit, Matt, by taking me in from the extreme back into into the reality. Um, you seem to be pro. You seem to be more optimistic about technologies than I do. I'm more of a Luddite in that way. Why is that? What? Why are you more on the side of like, yeah, it's probably not going to be dystopic, dystopian? I, you know, I, I think as a, I, I don't know. I, I think one, I'm a, I'm a nerd, so I, so I think that uh, I, I, technology has always appealed to me, and I think, I think technology has really helped us uh, quite a bit. So I, I mean, I'm always excited about it. Um, I, you know, we've talked on the show before robots and, and smart assistants and all of those type of things. So, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm always pretty optimistic about it, but I also believe, um, for those that create technology, they need to be held responsible and, 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 and think about how it's going to, how it's going to impact people and how it's mm -hmm. going to be applied. And, and I believe that technology should be, uh, accessible. And, um, we, we also need to think about, equity and the way that it's applied and the way it's utilized. And so, I don't know, I think I'm always, I'm always optimistic. Every once in a while, I do see something where I'm like, these people did not think this out at all. So um, I, I think I, I think I'm always optimistic. I, I never thought, you know, when I was a kid, this I, I always thought, how cool would it be to to be able to talk to a computer? And, and I know even my dad, his vision was, um, you know, I'd love to be able to walk in my house and say, house, turn on all the lights. He always thought that that would be really, really cool. And now we have that. And so mm -hmm. I, so, so, so that, that kind of stuff always really excites me. So, um, but, but I, you know, I totally understand the, the other perspective of we need to, you know, be very realistic on how the stuff is being used. <laughs> but to be fair, when you were a kid, we did have the clapper which is almost as good. We did, yes, yes, and in ninety second anti skip protection. So we also had that for for, for our CD players. So, <laughs> well, oh, the ways that we that we progress. Um, okay, so what's interesting though is we also have different regional differences with how we deal with these technological advancements. And the United States probably traditionally has a different relationship with uh, technology and privacy than does. Some, somewhere like Europe, mm -hmm. um, as compared to China, certainly. Like you've got some different ends of different spectra there. And so how would you say that they generally compare to each other? You know, it's, I, 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 think, I think technology to technologists will um, often disagree with, with Europe and, and with other countries on um, technology legislation and regulation, those type of things. And, um, you know, for, you know, when GDPR passed, um, a lot of U.S. tech companies didn't really like it, but I think the spirit of GDPR was um, to be thinking about people's privacy and making sure that people uh, were disclosed, you know, about how websites were were using their data. And so, if you're on a website and you see that little annoying bar that says this website uses uses cookies and this is the way yes. it's tracking you, um, that was a result of GDPR. It is extremely annoying. I, I I think we question the effectiveness of those things, but we do see some interesting things um, coming out of Europe, and and it's and it's very hard um, for any country to pass any sort of legislation regulating um, the tech world. Because um, our, our lawmakers are not technologists. Uh, many of them, this is not their thing. And it moves very quickly, way faster than we can pass legislation for it. And so, but recently, um, speaking of, uh, of Europe, um, the EU um, has proposed regulations for artificial intelligence. And so this was a pretty big story this week. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know, um, there is a massive race towards AI. And, and we see AI in, in lots of different ways. AI is often described differently. So if you're looking this up and you're Googling it, people have lots of different perspectives on learning algorithms and um, is AI talking to like HAL 9000 or talking to a computer or having a digital friend, um, th those type of things. And so, um, but we also see very practical uses of, of artificial intelligence. And so, um, 
Google has technology uh, called TensorFlow. And um, like in the beverage industry, for instance, there are vendors out there that use um, artificial intelligence for shipping uh, boxes of, of beverages. So um, as you know, like when a beer company is is creating a new box of, of Coors or Budweiser or something like that, and it's going down a conveyor, artificial intelligence can look at that box and say, this is Coors Light. And um, if you're a beverage distributor, it can take that and can say, this needs to go to, you know, uh, you know, ANA liquors or John Smith liquors or something like that. If the vendor changes the design of that box back in the good old days, you would have to reprogram the software to scan the barcode or, or to under or to say the box has changed. Through TensorFlow or through some of these AI technologies, it can say, oh, this looks like Coors Light. Some of the logos are pretty similar. The box has changed, but it's Coors Light. And it learns that that new box is now Coors Light. So you see some of these different things that are coming or algorithms that um, um, that these AIs use is, is where it gets to know you better and starts to guide you along a particular path or, or start to assist you in, in sort of different ways. So we're seeing AI being used in business and commercial and, and those type of things. Um, but the... There has been a lot of conversation um, over these past couple of years because countries are working to develop AI um, in different ways. You know, we, we've seen AI used in the development of, of COVID vaccines. Um, um, artificial intelligence was used to, to, to crunch a lot of data, and, and you're probably familiar with some of that. Um, and it's very, very helpful to have something that's sort of crunching the numbers and in, in, in doing this research and, and learning very quickly. Um, AI is not without mistakes. Um, it, it is learning. Um, and in different countries are trying to, uh, sometimes they refer to as AI cold war, that that the person that can get this operational and, and, and really start using it um, will win. Um, the, the, the EU um, has, has, has come out with some proposed regulations toward the use of, of AI. And I really feel like this is a good step forward. Um, I like, you know, some people have likened it to like Isaac Asimov's Rules of Robotics. Um, we've we've right. seen, you know, we've seen countries take a very proactive stance on this. And so the, the EU has gotten together and, and, and put together some proposals about how AI should be used and, and trying to head off abuse of, of AI. And so um, in this proposal has 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 several things that I think one of the big things is is prohibiting practices where AI could cause physical harm or it could manipulate people you know psychologically to say AI should not be used for this um, and also they they are also asking people who are developing I'm glad we're on the same page so far by the way yeah 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 um, <laughs> that's good those are good ground rules yeah yeah. Um, and and there, there's a lot in it. I'm just I'm just taking out a couple chunks, but um, also they they want transparency. So if companies are using mm -hmm. AI, um, and there and, and if there's and there's a question in there about how the system is being used, um, particularly when it comes to biometric data, or they're using you know for 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 social aspects or um, content like deep fakes, the the ability for AI to Put your face over something and and make you sound like you gave a speech that 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 you really didn't yeah. give. Oh yeah. They're saying um, if there's a question there, you should be able to tell us how that AI is working and how it's you know it's it's providing these these sort of solutions. And I think that's very fair. I I, I think I, I think in these regulations, um, I, I think it's good. I think that you're going to see people who are going to come out and say this is regulation and, and regulation stunts innovation. But I think, you know, you know, kind of going back to the, the earlier conversation we had, um, technology companies do not typically think about these things. It's just, let's get this out there and see what it can do and, and we'll figure it out later. Um, I, I think the EU is, is being very proactive saying, um, AI is already here. It's advancing very quickly. Um, none of us want Skynet. Uh, we, we don't want HAL 9000. We don't want these type of things. So um, let's start passing some regulations and putting some things in place because the technology we develop here in the United States is going to be used in Europe. Um, AI technology will will be sold or distributed to other countries, and 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 this thing is ripe for abuse. So so I really think that um, you know from my standpoint, I I, I think this this uh, proposed. Um, set of rules, I think, is is really good. I am sorry, Matt. I cannot comply. <laughs> I was, oh, so nerdy. Um, I like that you said that I'm I'm I like technology because I'm nerdy, and I'm like, oh, right, because I'm not. 
Um, but you know what you're saying, being more serious about this, is um, you know it's almost like ethics around technology is something that's an afterthought in a lot of cases, and we're seeing that the, the rapid advance of of technology is one that requires an immediate application of ethics to create policy uh, and to create guidelines and, and norms and practices. Uh, because if it does start out without the proper uh, bumpers around it, essentially, then then we are going to have a lot of rogue users that are uncontrolled. They will find their way through anyway. But when it's um, not something that's promoted or when it's when it's uh, prohibited, even in a formal way, then that does help gain some kind of, uh, I don't want to say control, because that's where a lot of people think technology should be free and whatever technology does, it does. But there is an ethics to this. And you can't create something like, you don't create a weapon and say, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, th- there is there is a, a certain amount of, of uh, harm that can be done. And you have to think about the harm that goes along with the benefit. And it's not a zero sum. Like, it, it's not that, it, well, everything has both harm and benefit. True. But some things, the capacity to do harm can really outweigh the benefit, especially without the proper regulations or, or the guidelines. And I am I am personally happy to see the EU taking that step forward and creating this idea of guidelines. And um, it makes me feel a little less badly about the AI that I can sense is tracking me that tells me that um, there are new weight loss apps or that it's okay to be working with with, <laughs> with like some really nasty um, obstacles. Like, oh, you, you can still be a data analyst if you have these five conditions. I'm like, I don't have those five conditions and I'm not a data analyst. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know where this comes from. Well, yeah, and and I think you know I I'm looking at this as and and you know and, and our listeners can hold me accountable. I could be way wrong. I think this is going to be very historic. Um, there there was actually a line in in uh, in section one. Um, and, and I'll and I'll quote it. It says it says AI should be a tool for people and be a force for good in society with the ultimate aim of increasing human well being. Um, I think that that's well written because. I think when we think about AI, it should be helping us. It shouldn't be a tool for manipulation. It shouldn't be a tool for um, the government to do negative, negative thing to it. You know, you know, to its people. Um, it shouldn't be used as a technology where it manipulates people. And and I think when when we're talking about science fiction, I mean, how many artificial intelligence or or computers gone wrong stories? Um, I, I mean, if you go to Netflix, there's probably a hundred movies about this. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's like. Yeah, I think I think we should we should consider putting some rules in place, and I really hope that 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 other countries embrace it, and 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 also if if the EU passes it, if other companies, uh, particularly U.S. companies, want to do business over there and and really want to sell AI technology, they're going to have to comply with this. And so, um, it, it's really I, I think I think it's a very good historical move, and 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 I think it's it's the responsible decision of the EU to say AI is out there, we're not ignoring it, and we are going to get ahead of this. So, do you think the U.S. is going to follow suit? I I don't know. Um, I, the usually with the U.S. Um, these companies that are developing AI um, have lobbyists that are going to prevent regulation, and they're going to fight it tooth and nail. As a they're going to whenever there's tech regulation, it's usually this is going to be anti-innovation, which I don't buy. I don't I I don't believe that that that. Um, thoughtful regulation prevents innovation. I think that we need to have informed elected officials helping craft good regulation that that guides um, these companies. Because it, you know, if we don't, we get. I mean, I mean, we, we've seen the effects of this. I mean, we we've seen you know Facebook go awry. We've seen CEOs mm-hmm. like exactly like, say, say, please regulate us. And it's like, well, what does regulation look like? And so, and so, I think I would love to see the United States um, take a very uh, a similar position on this and and really value people's privacy. I would love to see more regulations on that. I would love to see more regulations around around AI. And and I think you know, I mean, we're talking self driving cars. We're talking about a lot of technology that that is going to need AI framework um, to really move us forward in, in a lot of really new and exciting ways. But in the United States, it seems like we are just very slow to adopt these things where where with Europe, um, they definitely seem more proactive um, around data privacy and around technology issues like this. 
Um, and it'll probably be different in other regions like China as well, where, right. um, you know, a, the AI is probably going to serve whatever you know, some some regulating body decides it's going to serve. Right. Uh, it, right. it might not be the thing, the, the area that we like promote this free use of, of technology. So interesting. I'm, I am somewhat heartened, actually. I think the Grinch's heart has grown was there five times? How many times does the Grinch's heart grow? <laughs> was it three times or five times? I can't, I can't remember. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was small enough that it needed sufficient growth, but we don't really know just how big it got. Because if you have an enlarged heart, that's a problem, too. <laughs> that is a problem, too. <laughs> so so I do have a question for you. So, so, so there was actually, so speaking of technology that was out there, um, so there was a lot of, of uh, news around this digital neuroscience. I know that, that uh, there was an article in the Financial Times about it, about that it really can help, uh, particularly right now with COVID. And, and you kind of spoken about sort of the mental health impacts of COVID. I, I was kind of curious on, on what your take was on this. So firstly, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that since last week, another study has come out that said um, the effects of COVID on, on depression and anxiety that exist from the disease itself and not necessarily from the traumatic experience of going through it, although it's hard to parse one from the other, I had suggested might be because of, of it being able to migrate to the brain. And recently I said, no, there was a study that came out and said, no, actually, that can do that without COVID infiltrating the brain. It could be more more of something that's released in the periphery of your own body's chemicals that then affect your mood and affect. Uh, so the jury is out on this one, although the latest data is is now at least being reported to suggest that it's not that COVID invades. Although there is also, I do remember reading evidence that at least in animal models and in some postmortem models that it had. Um, okay, first thing out of the way. Second thing, uh, anything with the word neuro in it is extra popular and cool. And so the like the digital neuro, I had to look what up. I had to look that up, and I shouldn't have to look that up. I should know what digital neuro is. And what they're referring to is really cognitive science in an application on your phone. So cognitive science is this field that kind of combines cognitive psychology with neuroscience, and so it's called cognitive science. And you get a sense of how different um, thinking pathways work. And in terms of therapy, this is helpful because. Um, with therapy, there, there are like two basic goals. You, you, you don't change how someone feels so easily. You change how they think or how they act. That's like the basics of therapy. And so one of the major tools of therapy is like a cognitive behavior therapy. You, you question it. Are you, are you sure those thoughts are right? Are you sure you're not overgeneralizing? What's another way to think about this? What if I put you in the opposite role? Train your brain to get out of these, these bad patterns of thinking that feed back into a feedback loop of anxious thoughts or depressive causing thoughts. And so instead of calling your therapist up to say, hey, um, I'm having a rough time again today because, and then you have your, your thoughts that might be contributing to the problem, you now have an app that's like, hey, <laughs> I'm talking into my phone. I'm having these thoughts today. And, you know, or, or typing in or filling out a survey or whatever it is. And it's based on cognitive science to, to help you kind of think about Thoughts that will, as you say, activate different areas, but I wouldn't say activate. I mean, your brain's pretty active. Um, but, you know, to, to maybe change the, the kinds of negative thoughts and behaviors that you have by rerouting them and um, by recruiting different systems for emotion, some that aren't so triggered by, you know, a fear-based or some that aren't so triggered by an aggression-based or by uh, a, a sadness-based. And it's it's particularly important right now because mental health professionals are are going to be if not already dealing with a with a tidal wave of people dealing with the after effects of the pandemic so we talked recently about the biological effects of covid-19 on an individual but that happens both in concert with and independently of the psychological effects of living through a pandemic you know it's been 14 months and we are um lacking basic social norms. And that's really hard on people. It's really hard on children. It's really hard on caregivers. It's really hard on people living by themselves. It's really hard on the elderly. It's really hard across the boards. It's a very, very stressful time. And so you add the stress in there. You need as many tools as you can get. Um, these they're digital neurotherapies has been referenced. Um, they're not all that different from just a general therapy app, but they are, they're going to sound sexier because they've got neuro in them, 
but I do see them having a potential of being particularly useful now if there isn't access to a therapist. Um, and, you know, you might not want to see a therapist for other reasons. And you've got now the, the privacy of your own of your own home to do this or, you know, while you're showering in the morning, listening to some advice or training yourself to think differently about something or, or to act differently, creating exercise routines. I mean, there is an app that through AI keeps coming up on my YouTube called Noom, which is supposed to help people lose weight, which is based on a similar premise. Uh, I guess enough times my technology has heard me talking about the spare tire I've gained over the last five months. And so they advertise this this cognitive behavioral therapy based app that changes the way you think about how you approach food. I don't really know how it works, but I think we're going to see more of these apps coming out because there is a shortage of of um, providers compared to the need, and it's only going to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm always a little skeptical of anything that has neuro in it. Um, I don't, I don't know if you recall, but a couple of years ago, um, there was a big push for neuroelasticity games. And it oh, was the, like, oh yeah, the plasticity, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Neuroplasticity games, and it was, it, and that was a big thing. People were downloading this app, and then you would subscribe to it, and people were like, yeah, if if you play these brain games, um, it can bring your brain back to when you were in your twenties, and and you can have all these things. And I was like, mm, does it? You know, and and I think, and I think later on, it was sort of called bunk, like like some of these brain games. I think that they it could help with some memory. But it didn't say that it was going to roll the clock back on your brain. I, I don't know if you recall right. those apps. I very much remember that time, and it was an oversell. Um, you know, the, the deal is the brain is like anything; it's a use it or lose it part of your body. And so, the more that you can use it, like it's exercise, that's true. It will be better. Does it reverse the aging process? That's a little rough. I, there, there's some like, there's some biology to go along with this. That there are different growth factors that are released in the brain. There's that can promote healthy synapse formation and pruning and, and uh, the lack of use. I mean, even the lack of exercise is going to affect your, your, your brain development and uh, the, the types of foods you eat. All of these things are going to affect your brain. This is yet another thing that fits into the canon of how about you just take care of yourself and that will really help everything. Some of us need some help with a coach or therapy or whatever it is that, that we need is an extra push, a supportive partner. Um, most of us need some kind of extra help with this. And if you live a healthy lifestyle, all of those things are actually going to make your brain healthier. And whether it be uh, dealing with anxiety, depression, um, having a sharper memory, which some people think a sharper memory necessitates that you're younger because memory loss happens as we age, or you know just basic productivity and attention, like all of those things will be affected. And I think that for some reason, we've medicalized so much things we've known for so long as conventional wisdoms that as we put a new label on it, such as a digital neurotherapy, um, you know, it's it's going to going to bed early and uh, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. It's like, duh, it, like, duh. Yeah. Not, well, some people need to go to bed late and get up late too. That's another option. But it, it, they're, they're, these are these are wisdoms that we could have picked up from our grandparents, and and now we believe them suddenly. <laughs> so if you have neuro in there, well, I, so so what's your opinion? Apps like Noom or some of these apps that you know, you know, the the big thing is is gamification. You know, like you set these goals and your watch yeah. or your app is it, yeah. is is saying hey do you feel like that's a form of manipulation is it is this, it's like it's like you, you you're not doing this on your own so i'm going to give you an app that's going to sort of trick you into mm. into being better what, what's your perspective on that okay so you know the way that you're usually more on the side of whatever technology you de- you develop is you know it should have the right to exist kind of thing i think games are like that too and because in in the context in which we tend to solve problems if we can mimic that through a game, it engages systems that are so much more a, a reflection of how we're naturally going to than an artificial one that makes us memorize a dictionary or world capitals. Like if it becomes relevant to us, 
then we actually learn it. And so gamifying does a great job of that. It's, I think it's a wonderful way to learn. Uh, there are questions ethically around gaming too, because you know, are, are you tricking people? This, this has come up. Uh, but if you think of it that way, all teaching kind of has the ethical consideration to think of as well. I mean, teachers pretend things are simpler than they are in the textbooks that they get. And we don't teach people nuance in the gray space until they're much older and able to critically think about something. And a lot of people never have that opportunity either. And so I'm, I'm a fan of gamifying. And I think that is another advantage that these apps offer. And I guess that might be the neural connection because there's a motivational state now that you're, that you're using to engage yourself, your, your, your thinking, your brain in ways that you might not have otherwise. So I'm a fan of games. Okay. Unless in love. And then I'm not a fan of games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, in, 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 and I bring up gamification because, I mean, for some people, it, it has really made a big difference. You know, my, my neighbor recently bought a Peloton. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know, it's, it, it's a bike that has a, a big screen on it and you connect it to the internet. And you can compete with your, you know, with your friends and family and, and you, you get on it and you can run a race and you can compete for, you know, the distance that you've ran. And um, he told me it was one of the best purchases that he ever bought because, you know, he's a competitive person. He said that, you know, I, I, I hated to go downstairs in my basement and work out, but not, now I have this Peloton. I can go downstairs. I, I like seeing the scoreboard. I like competing. Um, my, my husband has a, sort of a Chinese version of a Fitbit the number of steps and he can compete with his family to see who's there. And so I think this gamification, I think it depends on the personality. For me, it wouldn't work because I I just, I don't care. Like if somebody says, Mm -hmm. I, you know, you know, I walk 5,000 more steps, but, but I, I do find it interesting that for some people, it really does push that button to say, Okay, you know, you weren't going to do this. Um, you, you might not necessarily do this on your own, but if I add a game to it and you win badges or, or you or you win a contest, um, sometimes that is the motivation that people need. Yeah, um, I think most of us, given the right game, would like be totally into. It. I mean, there was Pokemon Go for a while, was getting people to know their communities and their dorms and all of these other things. Like, it gamification works really well for a lot of paradigms. You just have to have the right combo to make it work. And certainly for um, learning something, like learning a new way of thinking about food or exercise or, um, or, or your, your own thoughts that contribute to depression or anxiety, I think it's well worth it. I think that's great. But there's, you know, be aware. It's, it's good to have a metacognitive, which means you think about the way you're thinking, so that you realize when you're playing a game that you're playing a game and that you can come back to reality. And that's the real danger of any of these things. Because at the end of the day, they're kind of playing with addiction circuits. Like right. motivation can turn into addiction real quickly. And we've seen, you know, even the Tinder swipe is in that way a game almost because you're trying to um, get the reward of the match on either side. And then when the match comes, it's like, oh, my God, exciting. And you get a, like a little burst to show, OK, you got your reward and now you want more. So you keep on swiping because that's not enough. And that kind of thing is problematic. And if people just kind of let certain games overtake their systems or aspects of games. And I do think um, it, it can be a huge time suck that we don't have like my ranting. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- no, no, this is, no, this has been a great conversation. And I, and, and yeah, I think, I think with game fiction, I, um, do you remember, did, did you ever play uh, Carmen San Diego? Of course. Yeah. Carmen San Diego taught me geography. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was a way to, to, to and, and, and for those of you that don't know, Carmen San Diego was a game. It came out in the 80s, and then it sort of picked up steam in the 90s. And uh, there, was a, there was a character called Carmen San Diego who would travel all over the world, and, and it was your job to, she was like a famous thief. And you would try to, you would get hints that it would say, you know, in this French capital city, um, yeah. you know, and, and you, oh, she's in Paris. And then, and then, it, yeah. then, then the game would take you to Paris and then, and then yeah. you get it. And I think they made a game show. There was a uh-huh. animated TV show and Netflix just re-released a, a, <gasps> a, a, another, another animated Carmen San Diego. No. And, and I loved it, but it was, it was a way, it was like, it was kind of fun to kind of track her down and into, into help solve this crime. Cause she was stealing all these like famous things and all these different geographic areas, yeah, but yeah, it worked. Yeah. It worked as a kid. Cause it was like, it was because you wanted to find her. So, so you were trying to look up, you know, you know, yeah. like, Oh, the pyramids are located where, and, and you would, you, you'd fill in the boxes and, and try to track her down. So, I mean, it, it, it worked for us as a kid. 
It was a really, I loved Carmen Sandiego. I loved the PBS show with the group Rockapella singing oh, yeah. at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, I also learned world geography, which is a, I guess because I'm not doing enough mental exercises, losing my, my edge on some of that right now. So I'm <laughs> going to need to watch more episodes, but um, yeah, game, gamifying things isn't all bad. It's, it's like technology. It's, Ethics help. Ethics help kind of keep us um, on track. And it's not something that you can just visit once. you got to keep coming back to it and making sure that it's used for the right purposes. And um, now I've got that, that song stuck in my head. Where <laughs> in the world is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> I think... they, they would do that at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. They would do that at the end of the show. And even singing it now makes me realize that um, we just had our brunch. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the theme of the show was text should be used responsibly. That's, oh my gosh, yes. That that was the theme of the show. It was like knowing is half the battle. Uh, it, was, it was the same kind of thing at the end, except they didn't really give that announcement. But if the two of us had been there, we would have pointed at the camera and said just that. Uh, instead of that, though, um, we're going to point at the microphone and say, we want to hear from you. Uh, we want feedback. We want your questions. We want your emails. We want your voicemails. Uh, Please contact us with any questions or comments that you have. Uh, and I want to wish everybody a great week. Do you have anything to wish our viewers on the way out? You know, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Um, what really helps our podcast out is leaving us a review. It's a small thing you can do that really helps us grow. Um, and we are on all of the major podcasting apps. So um, I think, you know, when I get asked about podcasts, I, I will share and subscribe. So please let your friends and family know. Um, and as always, uh, as we end our podcast, which, which I think is just one of the best taglines is eat some brunch and then change the world. I hope everyone has a great week. Thanks for listening to The Sunday Brunch. Before we go, show some love to our podcast by leaving us a review. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can check out our website at sundaybrunchpodcast.org. You can also reach out to the podcast via email at thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. That email address again is thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, and this is for U.S. callers only, at area code 970-627-7445. Again, that phone number is 970-627-7445. Thanks again, and we hope you will join us next week.